Coming up, we'll talk late models at Fairbury and Stickman compliance. We've got more Drupal rule news, and we'll talk about why things in the Northeast just seem so, I don't know, blah. Let's go. It's Wednesday, September 14th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Last night at Fairbury, the Flow Racing Night in America late models were back after an extended summer break. They ended up with 42 cars, which I thought was pretty nice uh, there for a Tuesday night super late model field. Fairbury always provides good racing, and last night's feature was solid. I think it could have been awesome, but I think we'll get to that in a minute. Dennis Arb Jr. led the field to green from the pole, and he and Bobby Pierce battled early on with the two trading the lead back and forth. Pierce was able to get away a bit uh, on lap 13 in traffic, and then he maintained the lead down the stretch. Towards the end, with Pierce on the bottom, Frank Heckenass Jr. got the top side rolling and got all the way up to second. He'd look like he'd have a decent chance at maybe a late move for the win on Pierce, but coming to the white, the th uh, 32 flipped lanes moving to the top and it blocked Heckenass' progress. So Pierce got away for the $22,000 win with Frank Jr. in second, Shannon Babb third, and we had a big charge from Ricky Thornton Jr. who went 22nd to fourth on the top side. Absolutely banging the boards. Definitely RTJ selling some shirts last night. With four races still to go this season, Brandon Shepard maintains the Flow Series points lead by a fairly wide margin over Mike Marler. Pierce, RTJ, and Hudson O'Neill complete the top five. The series is back in two weeks at Atomic Speedway in Ohio. That is another 22,000 to win show. Now, back to the finish being solid, but not great. Pierce ended up jumping to the high side late because of signals from his dad, Bob. Stickmen and signaling is something we've talked about in the past on this show, and it definitely affected the outcome of last night's racing. There were a smattering of social media posts about it afterwards, and it's pretty clear that without the signal, we may have seen a different ending. Pierce may have won the race anyway, but it would have been nice to see them fight it out to the end, instead of Pierce moving up thanks to the communication from his dad. On some level, I feel like it would be just about impossible to ban signaling or the communication you know, between the infield and the drivers completely. We'd have to have signal police walking around and telling people to stop, and it would just be ridiculous. But it's a shame when we're robbed of a good finish because of it. When we talked about this a little over a year ago on The Daily, the reactions from my audience were pretty mixed on the subject. But I'm wondering if your opinion has changed in the last year. Do the tracks and series need to do more to squash it or not? Let me know how you feel uh, in the comments below. I'm curious what you guys think. Before we move on, I know there have been some in my international audience who wanted to get some Dirt Tracker merch. I haven't had the shipping options available because it's a little complicated to kind of sort all of that stuff uh, out. So I finally went down that rabbit hole and figured all of the shipping out, um, you know, the duties and the taxes and all that stuff. So if you are in Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can now place orders at shop.dirttracker.com for shirts and decals. I can't do free shipping like I do for the U.S. orders, but to help keep costs down as much as possible, I've added the cheapest shipping options available. And I know it can get pretty pricey to send things across borders. Also, I went ahead and ordered a very small round of hats. I should have those in hand soon if you're interested in Dirt Tracker hats. As soon as I have them, we can certainly show them on the, uh, on the show as well. Uh, for everything else, you can order right now at shop.dirttracker.com. Also in action last night was the ASCS National Tour. They took on the Clay County Fair Speedway, and in the main event, it was all Tim Crawley. He started outside front row and led all 25 laps to score his third National Tour win of the season. The track did take rubberlay, and Crawley was able to keep Blake Hahn at bay in the final laps. The elder Crawley had been in the mix for the ASCS championship battle into the summer, but some tough finishes lately, including a 20th at Caney Valley, 
and multiple other results out the t- uh, outside the top 10 have dropped him to fourth in the points. With 10 race nights still to go, Blake Hanna is out front with an 88-point lead over Wayne Johnson, and then everyone else is at least triple digits back. I think barring some tough luck for Han towards the end, it feels like he's in a pretty good position to go back-to-back here with that ASCS championship. The ASCS teams are off today, but they start a big three-race weekend tomorrow night at Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri uh, for the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial. Saturday's feature pays $10,000 to the winner, and the ASCS will be joined all three nights by the Power Eye War Sprint Cars. All three nights are live on flow. If you're a Sprint Car fan, both winged and non-winged, this is always a fun weekend to check out, so I would encourage you to do that. If you want some big-time late model racing tonight, the Ironman Series is headed for Volunteer Speedway in Tennessee. Michael Chilton is the Ironman points leader, and you can watch the action live over on XR+. Plus, I believe I saw Bloomquist is going to be there as well. And speaking of XR, the droop rule has often been talked about this season. Obviously, we've talked about it here. But as of yesterday, the XR Super Series will no longer enforce that rule. The move is effective immediately and will mean the next events at Kokomo that take place early next week will be the first races without the checks happening. Most of the major dirt lay model racing series adopted the droop rule for 2022 and XR becomes one of, if not the first, I think, to drop it again. Uh, There are those in the fan base who swear the droop rule has hurt the racing this season, but I obviously don't believe that's true. And we talked about it back on August 22nd. There's plenty of data points to back up my position. And the idea that there's been less passing is just not true. Uh, We'll see if it makes any real difference for these remaining XR nights, but I don't honestly care either way if there's a droop rule. I've had people kind of ask me what my opinion is about the droop rule. I don't really have a position one way or the other. If the officials say it helps safety, cool, but I don't expect the racing to change a whole lot without it being in effect. So I, I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. And one more topic for you today, and that is the current state of things around the big modified racing in the Northeast. The Fonda 200 is this weekend for the Short Track Super Series. That pays $53,000 to win. And we've got Super Dur Week at Oswego quickly approaching. The track build there started today. But there seems to be some questions kind of about the hype and excitement around these events and really the two series as a whole. There's currently even a thread in the forum over at Dirt Track Digest about the lack of excitement around the 50th Super Dirt Week that's approaching. Where do you guys stand on the Northeast racing scene? It's obviously very regional, but I think the streaming has made it much more accessible for people outside the Northeast to watch the Super Dirt Car Series and the Short Track Super Series and get kind of interested in these races. Are these shows... Uh, things you tune into regularly, or are you more interested in the big lay model and sprint car shows? The two modified groups in the Northeast, you know, between the Brett Dayo owned Shooter Trek Super Series and the World Racing Group owned Super Dirt Car Series, have been at odds for some time, uh, and it's definitely created some splintering among the tracks, the fans, the competitors. Now, we just had a point where having two series up there is just going to continue holding everything back. Obviously, one or the other isn't going to be able to grow when they're constantly battling each other for everything. There are only so many fans, so many racetracks, and so many drivers to go around. So there's going to be plenty of weekends where events will suffer because people have to make a choice. Super Dirt Week is an interesting situation on its own with it having moved several years ago from the now demolished Fairgrounds Mile to Oswego, which is obviously a temporary dirt track uh, for that week. And people hate change. And no matter where Super Dirt Week was going to end up, you know, we, we know folks were going to complain. Everybody in the, everybody in the, in the world hates change. And I know that Mile created some interesting shows, but I feel like a lot of those 200s at Syracuse were just complete snooze fests. You get those cars spread out all the way around that mile, and there was just no racing at all. World Racing Group was never going to have an easy time moving that event elsewhere, and some track issues at Oswego have obviously not aided in their quest. 
Uh, you know, when you build these temporary dirt tracks, if things don't go absolutely right during the track build, uh, it can get ugly. And especially when you're running that many laps over that course of those days, uh, the track is going to continually uh, be a challenge. And I have more questions than answers about this specific topic. Uh, but, you know, to me and some others I know, things feel off and a bit down right now, and I'm not sure how we make it better. Let me know your thoughts in the comments uh, or on social media about the Northeast Modified scene. On the Racing Podcast, Front Wing Nation has Tyler Burnett this week. Loud Pedal has Dazen Persley. Passing Points has Hank Davis. Quick Time has Jake Buback. TJ Slideways has Mike Shaw. And there are new episodes of The Dirt Reporters, The Dirt Nerds, and Dirt Tracks and Rib Racks. If you want to find these episodes and more, head over to dirttracker.com slash podcasts. And there are five shows on the streaming schedule today. Dervision has weekly micros from Millbridge. Speedsport has Wissota Action from I-94 and IMCA Racing again from Clay County. XR Plus has the Ironman late models, like I said, from Volunteer. And there is Flow Racing 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Wednesday. Please make sure to like and subscribe to these videos. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily. 